Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host, as always, Evan Lynch. Today, we've got an interesting topic for all you endurance athletes out there. Should you be fueling with fats or carbs? Let's get into it. The question whether or not I need to go on a high fat diet, whether or not I should be doing a lot of fasted training or fat fuel training is something I get asked an awful lot. Which makes sense because I specialize in endurance athletes and if anyone would be suited to maybe doing a little bit of fat fuel work or if anyone would see the lower in it, it would be an endurance athlete. And I'll explain why. For endurance performance, one of the main predictors of how you do, let's say in an event over 90 minutes, is... uh, how steady you can keep your glycogen rate assuming you've done all the training and all that your glycogen dropping or bonking as it's commonly referred to will absolutely destroy any performance intent that you might have so the thought goes something like hmm if i get very good at using fat i'll spare my glycogen and it'll last longer or the slightly more discombobulated thought pattern goes If I get very good at using fat, I just won't use any carbs at all. I'll just use fats. Therefore, I'll never run out of energy. Because fun fact, someone who is 10 to 12% body fat has far in excess of 20 to 30,000 calories of fat on their body. There's a reason you store fat. It's an evolutionary adaptation to famine or droughts or just a lack of general, you know, supermarkets, I suppose, for cavemen. Uh, we had to be very good at kind of being self-sufficient. That's not really an appropriate um, biological response anymore. It's just one of those ones we hang on to, kind of like the fight or flight response, which is why a lot of people have anxiety. Anyways, I'm gone off topic. Those are the two reasons for the most part people will do a fat-fueled approach to make sure they don't bonk or to try and avoid the possibility altogether. I understand it seems logical and rational on the surface, But the picture is not as crystal clear as you would think. And what I've noted is that for whatever reason in the endurance world, it seems that the longer the event you do, the more quackery there seems to be in and around the preparation tactics from a nutrition point of view. That's just my personal opinion. That's what I've seen. So I suppose, you know, it might be important to look at a few things in this episode to really tease out why you might not necessarily want to do lots of fat fueled work why you probably shouldn't be on a high fat diet but where you can if it's appropriate fit in that little bit of fast stuff or that little bit of fat fueled work 
because the answer is not completely black and white. There are times where I will use these approaches with my clients and it's just not kind of a panacea for performance or even health for that matter. So a few things that we might want to bear in mind when we're looking at. So a couple of things that we might want to consider when looking at this picture, fat or carbs, we would maybe want to look at number one, is fat-fueled exercise appropriate for you? Are you competing in an event where the exertion rate is going to be 60 to 70% of your VO2 max? Because that's where fat oxidation peaks, okay? If you're a half marathon runner, 10K runner, sprint triathlete, Olympic distance triathlete, 100% fats will be a crap idea for you. That's higher intensity. It's way more glycolytic in nature. Likewise, if you're a marathon runner um, and you're, you're coming in around the three hour mark, four hour mark, the relative intensity you're running at, you're probably still over that threshold. There's more of an argument you can make for, let's say, a half Ironman or an Ironman athlete on the surface again, that the intensity relatively is going to be much, much lower and might be more so towards that um, fat oxidative zone. So if anybody was to consider rationally looking at using fat as a fuel, it might be that cohort of people. However, it's also worth bearing in mind that your body has a glycogen store and irrespective of how good or how fat adapted you are, if your glycogen levels run out or get near that kind of critical lower levels, your rate of perceived exertion is gonna go through the roof you'll start making lactate at earlier points, it'll feel psychologically harder, you'll still get all the effects of hitting the wall, even if you're quote unquote fat adapted. So it's still, it's still not the best way to do things. Next thing to think about, what's your training background like? You know, are you new to exercise? Is it your first time doing a 10K, a marathon? The reason I ask is the more trained you are, the better you become at sparing glycogen anyway. So I always see professional athletes doing this. They'll do loads of fasted work or they'll try and do big blocks of fat-fueled work in the wintertime in an attempt, in a well-intentioned attempt to improve performance. But there's kind of a ceiling as to what you can do in terms of oxidizing fat. You can only do so much. Around 0.7 or 0.8 of a respiratory quotient is really where it kind of tops out for the vast, vast majority of people. And simply doing the training regularly, consistently, that kind of gets you there. So to get like an extra maybe 1% or 2% of fat oxidation, you have to completely change your diet and lifestyle around. And for the most part, it's an equation that just doesn't really work out or make sense or is really even sustainable from a management point of view dietary adequacy or satisfaction point of view it's just not very feasible so just to summarize what event do you do what's your training age what's your training background what level are you competing at does fat fit into that picture that's kind of up to you to decide the answer is maybe the answer is it might be a hybrid model and that's something we'll get into shortly so following on from that last point if we are looking at what I called the hybrid model, you know, where do we fit fat-fueled work into our training regime? We need to look at the effect of fat-fueled work. What does it do? So 
when you do a fat fuel session, number one, you empty your glycogen tank almost completely depending on the length of the session and the intensity. If you're doing any kind of work that's explosive, high intensity, tempo type work, you can use fat for that. Simplest way to put this, the harder you're exercising, the more you rely on glucose. So with increasing intensity, the energy substrate is increasingly of a glycolytic nature. So you physically, biologically, metabolically cannot support high intensity exercise on fat fueled approaches. It'll feel difficult. It'll, it'll be the same rate of exertion. The performance will just be much, much poorer. Anyway, that's kind of besides the point. If you are doing a fat fuel session, number one, the session will feel harder. Number two, if you, as I just said, if you're looking to do a tough session, it's really not going to go as well as it could or should. Number three, recovery time is grossly amplified because you're now trying to refill your glycogen tank completely. So an empty tank takes longer to fill than a not so empty tank. Just kind of makes sense. Points number four and five are kind of related. If you do that fat fueled work, you get massive suppression in muscle protein synthesis, and you get a suppression as a result in just general immune function or recovery. That, that recovery is longer. You're staking more muscle mass. If you are a power or a strength athlete or you're a cyclist looking to crank up your watts per kilo, you're going to need to make sure that your muscle mass is well supported. So not doing too much of the fat fuel work is a way to make sure that that is the case. So those are the cons, those are the things to pay attention to. On the flip side of that coin, if we're looking at the fat fueled work, what it can actually do from a metabolic point of view, number one, it can improve your fat oxidation rate. So that's pretty useful. It spares glycogen if you have room for improvement. Okay, that's the key caveat there. Number two, fat-fueled work stimulates PGC1-alpha release. It's a key enzyme that will stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis. Back to basic leaving cert biology, mitochondria are known as the powerhouse of your cell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's where you do most of your oxidative phosphorylation. It's where you make energy, basically. If you have more mitochondria, technically, you can expect your VO2 max to get a little bit bigger. So there's, there's kind of a ceiling for that as well. But 
that fat field work can improve your VO2 max. Third point there, fat field work increases angiogenic responses. Angiogenesis is the process by which you make new capillaries in blood vessels. All exercise does this, fat field stuff in particular. So you just literally improve your blood supply network. Those are three useful adaptations. If you, if you look at what's required or what's stipulated for successful aerobic or endurance athletes, high VO2 max, metabolically efficient, well-trained, yada, yada, yada. I guess it's probably important to point out, you know, there are pros and cons. How much, like if, if I'm working with an athlete who's well-trained or who has maybe a little bit of room for improvement with their, with their fat ox, I'll suggest once or twice a week, fat fuel stuff first thing in the morning, but it's, it's no more than an hour at a time. Like that would be the absolute most. And the stipulation with that is you're gonna to have to have real high carb intake ASAP post-workout. So one gram per kg within 20 minutes and a balanced meal within an hour to make sure you get that glycogen rapidly recovering and replenishing. That's really, really important if you're gonna do that. You wanna get the best of both worlds. There's no benefit to withholding carbohydrates post-workout if you get that PGC1 alpha response in your session. If you do that fat-fueled workout, you don't need to continue with a kind of a 24-7 fat-fueled diet. You've already gotten the response to stimulation. It's there. Don't withhold carbs. That will not help. That will make your recovery much, much worse and much more prolonged. You never really want to do that fat-fueled work within 48 hours before a tough session or a key session. And it's definitely something you keep to winter time and you don't do it anywhere near a race because it is it is tough on your body. Okay. So that's that's kind of the hybrid model approach which I had mentioned. So if I ever have an athlete who is doing a little bit of fat fuel work once or twice a week, less than an hour in duration, never on consecutive days, never before a key session, and followed by huge carb intakes. That's it not a 24-7 thing, it's not a diet, it's not a lifestyle, not a panacea, and the impact is small enough. I just wanted to point out, whilst I'm here talking about it, some people praise this method as the be-all and end-all, and there was a very interesting study, at least I thought it was interesting, would probably be biased, done on this topic in Australia in the AIS uh, by one Louise Burke, um, she would be considered the queen of sports science, I guess. So basically what they did was they got elite race walkers, most of whom were Olympic athletes, and they tested them. So they broke them into two different groups and they did what's called a crossover design. So each group had a time where they were carb-fueled or a time where they were fat-fueled and there was washout periods in between them. And they did 10K time trials. Everyone did a 10K time trial as a fat-fueled or a carb-fueled athlete. What they found was really interesting. And this is this is when it comes to brass tacks, you know. Metabolic pathways are one thing. Surrogate markers like a VO2 max or improved blood flow or lower resting heart rates, they're all great. What you really want is what's your performance time? How are you going to do in a race? So here's the cheese. The fat-fueled athletes on a treadmill and a VO2 max test 
scored much, much higher. Their VO2 max was greatly increased on fat-fueled exercise. However, as soon as they put the fat-fueled athletes on the track for a 10K time trial, they were somewhere between 10 and 15% slower, despite having a higher VO2 max. So basically, what was concluded from this study was that, yes, a high-fat diet or a fat-fueled approach increases your VO2 max, but from a performance point of view, it's not beneficial. The reason your VO2 max goes up is because fats are about 10 to 15% less efficient to oxidize, even in elite athletes. And that's why this is a useful study. If anyone would have an excellent fat oxidative capacity, it will be these guys. So when you put them on high fat, their VO2 max goes up, but their race times go to dog shit, okay? So that's, for me, that really consolidates the fact, and this is generally the consensus in the sports nutrition world now that, yeah, fat fuel stuff is interesting it's it's cool you can use it as a tool but it's not like a definitive approach you know and further to that some people are of the train of thought if i do loads of fat fuel training when i take on carbohydrates in my race i'll be great it'll be fantastic again that makes sense get great at oxidizing fats some people do the same with caffeine they take no coffee tea anything like that so that on race day they can have loads of caffeine and it'll be they'll be very sensitive to it the problem is when you do this with fat and carbs a high fat diet causes insulin resistance so they've shown that athletes trying this doing a high fat diet leading up to a race and then trying carbohydrates they hit the wall they bonk they struggle to maintain stable blood glucose because they actually are insulin resistant due to massive recent fat intakes so something to bear in mind if you're doing the hybrid approach as i mentioned it's little and often if at all never near a race and it's never your dietary approach it's just a tool so i'm not going to go through the benefits of carbs it's kind of like the you know i think you know that using it using a carb approach all of the pitfalls i mentioned literally just don't happen so i hope that's kind of put it to bed you know, uh, if you get the question, fats or carbs, fats sometimes, if it's applicable and appropriate, not all the time, definitely not all year round, and less than 60 minutes twice a week would be my recommendation. If you are an elite athlete, probably no need to do it. And the argument is there, you know, some people look at performance over adaptation, and if you're already adapted as an endurance athlete, as I mentioned, the, the benefits aren't necessarily outweighed by the cons of this approach. That's one guy's opinion. That's what I think. I try and stay contemporary with my evidence-based research, but this is really what the evidence outlines and suggests. So that's, that's my stance. If you have an alternative take to this or you have questions, please get in touch. DM me on Instagram at elinchfitnot. Or visit my website the links are all going to be on my spotify profile here i'm easy to find www.evanlynchfitnut.com get in touch let's have a chat and i hope you found today interesting i'm going to be doing more sports specific episodes over the coming weeks so if there's anything in particular you want to hear me talk about let me know as always 
please share the podcast if you find it useful stick it on your story tag me that helps me a lot in terms of getting this podcast out there and i always appreciate it okay guys that's all from me happy training If you think you might be interested in working with me, so you know, learning to feel like a pro, getting all your ducks in a row in terms of all things sports nutrition, you can head over to my website again, as I said, www.evanlynchfitnot.com, and you can book into my online consultation clinic where it's it's literally we do a dietary audit, make a plan, see what your goals are, and you know how can we fix the discrepancies between where you are and where you want to be you can book in at any time all year round or if you think you'd like to come on the online coaching program where most of the athletes i work with you will find them you can sign up or you can book a discovery call to see what the FOSS is about in any case if you are interested in this dm me get in touch book that discovery call and i look forward to working with some of you until next week cheers guys Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.